Special thanks to everyone who pledged money to crowdfund the show this week, including Matt Lacey, David Walker, Tim Edwards, Ilico Elia, Andy Hagen, Jamie Holland, Roland Roberts, Ian Wilkinson, Alistair Harding, Dan Lane, Ian Mercer and John Balshaw. There's a full list of our supporters on 361podcast.com, along with information on how to help us for as little as $1 per episode via Patreon. Hello and welcome to 361, a weekly podcast about mobile tech and the world around it. My name's Ben Smith. I'm Rod Blanford. I'm Ewan McLeod. We're back with Season 13, Episode 1. and This week we're catching up on the big Apple and Google keynote news. We discuss what we missed whilst away. We compare the two firms' strategies and products. And we share what caught our attention. Welcome back, chaps. How you doing? Come on, it's been a little while. Season 13. Yes. Oh dear. Oh dear. Season 13. Mm. Unlucky for some. Unlucky for Rafe Blamford. Yes. I don't think he's unlucky. So excited to be back. Are you on board with the social media campaign, you and McLeod? I am. I'm going to drop my laptop as I do the fingers now, but hashtag Rob Rafe. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Just just don't make it worse. That's, That's not worse. That's funny. Is this the cold open? Well, indeed, it's, you know, (laughs) feeling very cold. So, dear listener, we have got some news for you, and that is that uh, we will be robbing Rafe, or actually we won't be robbing him, we'll be watching him being robbed. No, I've I've checked with HR and we mustn't touch him at any time without his consent. No. So we won't be doing that. But we've yes, got to thank the sponsors, haven't we? Well, something happened between season twelve and season thirteen. Yes, explain. Basically, <laughs> but basically, what happened is <laughs> some some drunk people listened to the end of season twelve and are pleading for donations. And a couple of people, charitable stepped, chaps, charitable chaps, stepped in. And we'll do we'll do credits later on, and we'll name names, and we'll say thank big thank you to everyone. Yes. But uh, a number of people made donations, and actually, I think the Blanford Estate merchandise. You know, the, was that the kicker? Well, I think certainly that stimulated a, a, a number of donations, although we do have one particular donor that we need to say thank you very much to because he sort of got us over the line. I'm sure I'd use the word thank you. I think we would, and I think the yeah, listeners think will be using absolutely. that word. So anyway, yeah, so, so mm. Rub Rafe is going to happen. We've hit our target. We are over $100 an episode, which is absolutely fantastic. We'll talk no, to you. We'll no, talk, no, no. <laughs> we'll talk to you about where that money's going, what we're going to do with it, all that kind of stuff later on in the show. But yeah. hashtag Rub Rafe is definitely happening. We are targeting midway through this season PR people are being engaged with phone calls have been made top level meetings have been had with top levels and if you've just tuned in can we just be clear what's happening yes um, if you've just tuned in to the 361 podcast for the first I time ever, yeah, first, first of all please please come back stop switching off but we made the promise over the last couple of seasons that we were going to do an episode all about the on-demand economy yes and um, completely by accident and in no way coincidental with Rafe Blanford not wanting to be massaged we decided that one of the most important things we did to test the on-demand economy was to have Rafe Blanford, 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 <laughs> vigorously rubbed yes. by a professional messer yeah. uh, with his consent. Well, well consent. Well, mm. with, with someone's consent, with voting consent in, yeah. the, in the three of us, and you and I have voted and hmm. it passed by a majority. Well, we're going to see if it works. It does, it does work. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's a fantastic service, urban massage, for example. We don't actually know that yet. Yeah. And, uh, and it's important to stress this is an entirely legitimate test of something very pertinent to the mobile world at the moment yep. is important. Practically, we're practically doing science now. Yes. I think many scientists will be impressed with the rigour with which we've set up this experiment. And uh, we'll be taking uh, only data from a sample size of one. But when that sample size <laughs> is Rafe Blanford, yeah. what more can we say? Can I just say thank you to all of the folk at Digitas LBI who have been supporting the uh, Rob Rafe campaign? Yeah, so uh, Rafe Blanford's place of employment has been a source of much amusement and support and so, yes. indeed a, some little amount of money as well. So we're very, well, very grateful. Who, yeah. who contributed but we'll come back to that theme yeah, thanks everybody Rafe is literally on the edge of his seat if he had been massaged he'd slip off but uh, he's still <laughs> hanging on and I know we don't want to labour it but what we're going to do in that is episode 5 which we're aiming for I, I know you don't want to labour it he says labouring it <laughs> uh, episode yeah. 5 though, well, right? we, we'll, aim, we'll aim mid-season at the moment the target's so episode mid-season, 5 and then what people should expect is we'll talk about the on-demand economy and the mm-hmm. collapse of services then we'll go here's an example and then Blanford will be massaged live as in like we're going to record that live right? I think it massaging a dead person is inadvisable yeah. and probably an issue with their terms and conditions to be yes. perfectly honest yes. but uh, oh, God, I need a visa to go to Australia 
end if they Put your phone down, Blanford. That's it. Ref Blanford doesn't score sufficient points. Why would you yeah. like to enter the state of Australia? I don't want to be massaged against my will. <laughs> you, need, you need therapy, mate. Not, not well, I'm Australia. looking forward to that experiential. We'll do some delivery as well. Yeah, we, we will. Um, so you have to deliver. Oh, you mean there's going to be other stuff in this yeah, episode we'll apart from humiliation? Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get Rafe massaged live on the show. He can tell us what is that he, back massage you're going to go experience is like. I recommend an aromatherapy one. It's my view. Oh, there we go. And is he, is he having two therapists or one? That is all being sorted out with the PR people. That'd so be interesting. what we're going to do is, I think, go for like sort of one of the popular treatments. So the yeah. Rafe experience is what most people order. You just want an aromatherapy then or something like that. You don't want some I, guy I don't guy really want this massage at all, to be quite honest. But you'll love it. You'll anyway, love it. we'll right. move on. Yes. So Rafe Blanford, a little light relief from being teased about hashtag Rub Rafe. And I oh. encourage you to tweet and indeed post Instagram pictures of what you imagine that experience might be like. If you need any help with Photoshop, we can hook you up with people. Um, <laughs> And indeed, actually, in the in the past, our audience has showed itself remarkably proficient with Photoshop <laughs> when called upon. To. <laughs> so, well done to all you graphic artists, and please, please stop sending the pictures because I wake in the night screaming. Um, Rafe Blanford, tell us what we're talking about this episode. Yes. So this week, we thought we'd kick off the season by talking about two of the big industry events that have just happened, mm. and that's obviously Google I/O and Apple WWDC. We don't want to do a news recap. We want to pick out some of the big themes and offer our opinions on them. Yes. Because news is what we don't have, opinions is what we do. So Plenty of them. That's what you're getting. Let's yeah. do it. Tough. Okay. So I guess let's go first, you and McLeod. Mm. Overall reaction about those two events. Did you stream, watch them both live? I uh, watched them both back, actually. I couldn't stream them because I was putting the children to bed. You've uh, changed. You, know, you, just, you used to care about this stuff. Oh, it's difficult, man. difficult. So Google one I enjoyed. I enjoyed, I thought that was quite fresh. I liked their attitude and I find myself going, oh, I would like to try a lot of the things that we're talking about and definitely buy the little, oh, what do they call it? The Google Home. The Google Home for, yeah, definitely. The Puck Doobery. That thing, yeah. yeah. Then Apple. I always have problems with that with Apple keynotes, especially when they keep cheering everything and especially when the presenters... Did, did you remember someone actually said, oh, you can cheer there? There was actually a point whereby he got, you, does that get a cheer or something like that? Or, yeah. Room, oh, come on. There's silence in the room. But yeah. they, it looks like they, in the rehearsing, I wouldn't be surprised if they had someone going, <laughs> you know, at, you know to, to help them, you know, acclimatise to what it is like to be delivering an Apple keynote. So that got very, very, very jarring for me. Yeah. Really difficult watching it because the guy goes, and I'd like to announce <laughs> that the name is... No, I haven't said it. Okay, uh, Mac OS. I mean, and we've done this, but I've done that same thing before, if you remember me doing mm-hmm. that. Flipping annoying every time. Although you did point out there was a guy they kept on panning to who had his hands completely folded the whole time. We communally watched WWDC on Talk Show, which only stuck it up on the site. And mm. I think about five of you watched along with us, initially arguing and then just sort of reaching a sort of sleepy conclusion, as we all sort of mildly agreed with each other, not too strongly. But there was one fella, yeah, arms folded, front row. No. Pro- probably like a proper journalist who's yeah. like, I'm here to learn not to clap. And they unfortunately, they'd, they wanted to include pictures of I don't know, teenagers or Code Camp or somebody who, you know, some group yes. of youngsters who were in the front row. So, Ralph Lanford, what do you make of WWDC first? Because that's not your home turf. Yes. I think it's now disappointing listening to WWDC because you compare it to what it was in the past but actually I think in some ways well, when it, the world changed with a particular announcement well exactly. maybe not WWDC and also, you know, is an Apple keynote you know, really. and also you know Steve Jobs I mean Tim Cook is good but Tim Cook wasn't there yeah. hello welcome to my show I'll be back in 45 minutes and it's become much more of a collaborative effort and so it feels less impressive but actually just the sheer scale and range of things that Apple is doing I think is very impressive and they still set the conversation it's still one of the very few tech events that you get you know consumers talking to you about afterwards and they want to know about what you think about the new iMessage or whatever it happens mm. to be and so the breadth of Apple's ambition is really very impressive but actually just from a technical point of view I think it felt a little bit unrehearsed this time and a lot of it was very much kind of iterations on what they'd done before and I think that's inevitable we've had it in the last few where it feels like Apple is starting to compete with one more company and with Apple Music it was something like Spotify and then Apple News it was Flipboard and there was kind of more of that by contrast I think actually Google moved away from doing a very pure developer event to something that was a little bit more aware that consumers and the general public was listening to it and thus came across slightly better and I think a lot of that was actually 
due to the fact they divorced or decoupled a lot of the announcements from the big platform update. So rather than having to wait a couple of years for these new Android features and Android N or Android 7, whatever it will be called, there's actually a lot that will arrive later in the summer. That's what got my attention. On the same kind of timescale as the new Apple stuff always arrives. And so this autumn will be much more of an Apple versus Google thing in terms of new things arriving on the scene and in consumers' pockets. Can I just correct you? It's not autumn. It's coming this fall. Just, no. I, I don't understand a nation that needs to describe seasons by the direction the leaves are moving in. I mean, this just feels, you know, like we're more sophisticated than that. Welcome yeah. to grow. Spring grow. No. Exactly. Yeah. Now, welcome to going brown. <laughs> and to vanished. Yes. Sorry, Americans. Yeah, love you. Yeah. Yeah, we do. Honest. Yeah, that's it. And uh, yeah, there goes half of our listener base. <laughs> Literally. What did you think of it? I think... Google are getting better at the presentation side of things faster than Apple are getting worse, if you sort of mean. I think yes. they're going to level yeah. out at mediocre. And Apple was always the benchmark of being really good. I think that's also a measure about how they're learning to communicate this stuff. Because I think, Ray, your point about it was true. Like, I sat there during the thing, you know, small announcement, underwhelmed, small announcement, underwhelmed, small announcement, quick move on. And it, you know, and at the end, I looked and thought, Bloody hell, they've talked for two hours and they've made a well, new no, wait, announcement. Wait, 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 they've talked for one hour 20, the rest was cheering. Okay, they have progressed two hours through a typical yes. keynote yes. pace and they've announced new things, you know, almost minute by minute. There was a weird section where the emoji kind of stuff got a disproportionate amount of airtime and I, we'll come back to why, but actually everything else felt really almost rushed. And I didn't watch the Google one live, but I did watch it on playback and I felt that their okay, sometimes you think maybe they're sort of everyone's playing from the Apple playbook, but it was pretty good, actually. And it was pretty effective at communicating to an audience beyond that that was in the room for perhaps the first time in a while. These are really big sales opportunities, right? So although we do work in and around the industry, we're not necessarily the target, you know, specific target for Apple or or, or Google. But you can see these organizations, Samsung in particular, really goes for this now where they're is unwrapped in um, MWC. Don't forget now that there's a massive global audience. And this is Apple's homepage, says, watch the keynote. Which which is strange, because I felt that Google got the tone of the sort of, here's a general update about all the things we're doing. And there was definitely developer stuff in there, but it was a more general mix where Apple, it was quite jarring. They kind of lurched from lightweight consumer product and a lady on the stage dancing to you know, rap music mm. and that kind of stuff. We're fine, you know, okay, that's a legit product and it was a fun, I'm doing bunny ears, I didn't enjoy it, but, you know, it was fun. Didn't way enjoy to, it. Didn't enjoy it. Yeah. It was a fun way to announce that product. But then we sort of ground straight into, you know, proper full-on, you know, kind of developers, code camp, playgrounds, all those kinds yeah. of things. And all of those things need covered, but I just felt Google got the mix uh, if I was going to describe it, say Google, it was actually quite a cohesive message all the way through. And Apple sounded a couple of discordant notes in between, actually quite a cohesive message. And that was, it kind of pulled you out of the experience. Okay, so enough lines of speculation on what the what and the why of, of how the way they talk to us. Let's talk about three themes, Rafe Blanford, that we uh, we okay. picked out. And we're going we're gonna to quickly compare and contrast. So thing number one is interfaceless apps. What the are they? Well, this is the idea that apps or those experiences can exist outside the traditional app container or silo. And we're really thinking about two different categories here. Those on conversations of platform, bots. And obviously, that's something that Facebook talked about at F8. But I'd also talk about extensions to the platform. This idea that you can have platforms existing that you build on top of in other apps or in pieces of the platform. Now, it's not new because we've had things like push notifications and the lock screen and arguably things like uh, mobile wallets for a while now. But it was a really big push from both Google and Apple, I think particularly on the bot front and this idea of conversational interfaces. It was interesting because Apple did talk about you know, making Siri more widely available and making Siri smarter and more extensible. But they definitely want to take people out of apps as well. But they want to do it through the platform, you know, surfacing. If you're an app developer, you surface your content or your interface now through an iMessage or a map or, a, you know, something that's in the, in the OS effectively. Whereas Google was much more about bots. Yeah, I think that's right. And also Facebook and Microsoft were the same in their big uh, keynote announcements earlier in the year. And I think it contrasts the different strategies where Google is sort of this idea of cloud and you know, it's a smart piece of glass. 
Apple is much more about it's a smart piece of entire product. It's not just about the glass and it does a lot on the device itself. And those extensions, to me, it feels like a, a slightly easier thing for consumers to understand and get used to because really it's just about surfacing apps inside other apps rather than this kind of new paradigm. And don't get me wrong, I think conversation with the platform probably is a big thing in the future because it's very natural. It's the way we actually converse with other humans with a lot of services. But getting that right is going to be very difficult. And it is probably going to have to be mediated through some kind of virtual assistant that will control the context in order to have all the bots be smart enough that they won't annoy you. Some of those words hurt my head, you and McLeod. Mm. Virtual thingies and... Interfaceless. Yeah. Now, basically, Siri and Cortana and um, what's the Google one? Google Now. Google Now. They're getting... Okay, Google. Yeah, they're getting pretty important. You can't say that on the podcast. Oh, no, sorry. I've been listening to some other podcasts recently and... John Gruber, who, you know, I can take or leave, but he was on his podcast and he came up with the term Yo Dingus, which was the universal way they were going to refer to talking to one of these platforms without triggering it. Because they were worried (laughs) that every time they said, you know, something, something Google. Oh, it's public. It would pop up. So I don't know if we'll do that. Four times today, Siri has woken up and tried to do some stuff. There we go. Yeah, by um, mistake. But why are we trying to get out of apps in the first place? Because I, d- I agree there was definitely a theme, but why does that matter? Because it's, it's not an accident that they've all kind of popped up and doing the same thing at the same well, time. So I think the user requirement is I want to get a cab. I just, I just want a cab. Right? I don't need to have to come out of one app, scroll to the other one, tap it, let it load up, think about it, in some cases, log in or authenticate, you know, that five second or in some cases, 10 seconds amount of delay is a problem. And in today's world and in the future world, 10 seconds, you were all really lazy. Just look at how you use internet banking. You know, I'd, I'd sooner actually go and pick up my phone than have to log in and type and, you know, do the proper authentication. I just want to do my, use, use my finger. So if you think about ordering a cab, yeah, it's quite simple. I don't need to see your brand. I need to see, I just want the cab, please. So I can see that from a user standpoint. I can see that the platform owners wanting to make things more efficient. But also I think, is there not an element of malaise around apps? I mean, recently we've been seeing all sorts of reports saying, that's it, no more apps are being downloaded. I mean, obviously not directly, but you know, you've got all the apps you need. Yeah, the average number of apps being downloaded per consumer per month has fallen right. in 2016. Yes. I think a lot of it comes from the fact that apps themselves were sitting in something of an artificial framework. They were in these silos. Each app was a container and you move from one task to the other or one app to the other to perform a task. And that's not how people think. Why was that? I think that was the model of software and the way things were distributed. And, you know, that was kind of the model for most computers. And actually the web is what moved us away from that. And hyperlinks, this idea that you could instantly go from one to the other. And deep linking was kind of the first sign of that. Extensions enables that to happen in a much more structured way. And it's very noticeable. It's on the core apps where it's most important. So things like Maps, for example, or in your messaging application. Those are the ones that are kind of sucking in other apps and they're almost becoming the new app discovery mechanisms or launching mechanisms. So as usual, you're in a completely different plane from where I was thinking there, Blanford. I was actually thinking in the context that the first iPhone couldn't even go anywhere near the concept of multitasking. You know, doing multiple things at once. So I'm, I'm interested because if a voice assistant or my iMessage or my maps or my wallet or something like that is going to be a way to access these apps. How am I going to get the apps in the first place? Because when, when you watch got them is the, is one argument, but I, you, you, you have, have to, whilst I have them, we have a smartphone the ecosystem hasn't stopped growing. You, what you're almost going to need to do in today's model, and perhaps it's a transitional issue is you're going to have to get your iPhone, for example, download Uber, Download Deliveroo so, so that they're all now plugged into the operating system and you'll never actually use those apps. So I, I, haven't, I haven't done the specific research on this yet. Let me ask you a question here. Can you use Get Taxi the same way? Well, so the, the example we saw yesterday or was Uber and Lyft, as in you could use them to book your taxi. But what if you want to use a third, another one? I think right now... The are, more, are those the brands that Apple has chosen or can anyone... No, it's the other way around. It's a bit like, um, it's a bit like Apple Watch, which is the things that are available to you through your watch are where the app developer has, has, decided has, to. has exp- supported those things. And so they pop up in new places, but right, you right. still need the app. Now, I agree, in future, 
Apple might either bake in things, you know, approved suppliers, or it might be that you kind of get prompted at the time, you know, go, you know, you, it looks like you're trying to call a car. Here's all the car apps on the app store. Uber's rated five. This one's rated yeah. four, whatever. Which you know, one do you want? You, which one do you want? And you might do that at the beginning of your first ever journey or whatever. But it, it, it's interesting because at the moment, you know, we think about finding an app in an app store and then installing it and then using it and not using apps in a different way makes you sort of forget that you still need to have them in the first place. Yeah, and clearly there's still a discovery problem, which is why Apple was announcing new things around having advertising in the App Store. Google was doing instant apps, this idea you'd be able to stream apps so you wouldn't have to make that install decision. But there is still a bit of a broken link there, I think, and it's almost like a technical legacy around what apps used to be and what they're moving towards. Why they had to be that way. Hold hold that thought, Ray Flanford. Topic number two, you McLeod. What is it? Number two is local versus cloud. Name the brands. Local? Apple. Okay, and cloud? Google. The, the yeah, other no one. surprise. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Amazon, by the way, as well. Cloud, mm. yeah. What's, what's Microsoft, Rafe? I would say it's LinkedIn. actually, it's enabler for both. Actually, the card says it's a flaming pile of hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a little unkind. So local versus cloud, right? Uh, so we, we... I'm kidding. Yeah. You're a cloud. I'd like to add you to my professional network. <laughs> Thank you. Have you thought about using Microsoft Word? Yeah. <laughs> it looks like you're trying to acquire a social media company. Can I help you with that? Would you like to? Yeah. All right. It's an um, enterprise social media company, Ben. Man, yeah, man. enterprise, exactly. So there's some stark differences between how Apple is doing things and how Google is doing things. And I think we've debated um, local or local storage, data stored on your phone that is yours and owned by you versus using other services that take your data, anonymous or otherwise, and stick it onto the cloud and then do the processing there. And now, for the first time in a long time, I thought I spotted you in WWDC, Apple took a proper pot shot at Google. Like, your data doesn't leave your phone. We do all your photo recognition on Mm. the phone. It's secure. We end-to-end encrypt everything. I mean, they said that several times, and that's cool. You know, well done. But what they should have been saying is, we are not Google. And it strikes me as odd, because whilst there are people that care about that, and it's a legitimate concern, hasn't the market spoken? Like everybody, it, you know what? everybody uses Gmail. It is to me exactly the I same don't. as batteries on phones, right? The Apple view in this context would be, oh, you've got to have a massive, massive battery. You know, the Google view, the converse view is, no, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. So I actually think this goes much deeper as an issue. I think it's... You're in- suggesting that we've only got a superficial grasp of this complex topic. <laughs> Not at all, but I think it's <laughs> in- inherent philosophical difference between the two companies. Well, he means we're and wrong. It's kind of... Google is it philosophical is, or is it because they just aren't that good at it? Well, I, I actually think, um, which I'm going to say, it connects back to business reasons, but it's kind of Google is the dumb class smart cloud, whereas Apple is the smart glass dumb cloud. And they use the cloud, I mean, Apple does for backup and they actually talked a little bit about the things and, you know, iCloud becoming more widely available. Multiple desktops, same desktop. Yeah, right, and the yeah. differential privacy and all of that. But actually it connects back to their business model, Google is based around wanting to have access to everyone's information and basically web-centric. That's how they make their money. Whereas Apple actually thrives when people do everything locally on the device because they get margin on both well, the, the device. Well, needs you and, to need your device. Um, absolutely. They need to lock you into their particular ecosystem and their device. And it's, Google wants to do the same thing, but it does it in a very different way. what is way. the best way of doing it? Because it never strikes me as being very smart of having all my data on my device. I mean, they, they, they spent a good part of the keynote talking about taking data off your laptop and sticking it in the so, cloud. I, I mean, if you talk to an Apple user, they will describe how they can lose their iPhone, buy another one and have it all reappear seamlessly. Did I tell you um, about that time I lost my iPhone and bought a new one and it all reappeared seamlessly? There we go. Thank mm. you, Ben. Right. And, you know, you can do the same thing on Did I tell you when I did Android. that and it didn't work? You can do it on Windows Phone as well, by the way. Anyway. Can you still buy Windows Phones? Isn't it? All right, Use your Windows all right, Phone, rejoice, right, buy right. iPhone. I actually think Be the stuck. best answer is you want a hybrid solution. And ultimately, I think that's where both companies will have to move towards to keep companies happy. And Apple feels like it was reluctantly pushed into services and pushed into cloud, recognising that fact. But it's not natural territory, which is why people sometimes talk about Apple not being very good at services, which I think is justified when you're comparing them to Google. But actually, it's a it's a big ask asking a company to be expert to all those areas. because All of my photos stay on the device. Yeah, But also, uh, how many... I heard the number and I've forgotten it, which makes excellent podcasting, but how many 
millions, maybe even billions of iMessages a second are you know, flowing through apples. Is it 200,000 a second? Well, it wasn't actually that many compared to yeah. sort of Messenger and WhatsApp, but, you know, they talked about various numbers of which that was running 2 billion Siri queries, which again is very little. Yeah, uh, I didn't think that was context. very high. Yeah. Well, but hang on a second, building a service that can support 2 billion of anything is, is, is not something you do if you don't but, do services. And I think that's yeah. what you have to come back to. Yes. Um, you know, Apple can do it. It's not its area of specialism. And I'd actually contrast it to Google. It's like saying Google doesn't build devices, which it doesn't do to the same scale, certainly, as Apple. And so I, th- I don't think you can criticise Apple and then not criticise Google for, you know, Apple is much more vertically integrated. I'm, I'm, like I'm concerned that it's Apple very- are l- limiting themselves massively with this view. Apple's technical challenge is maintaining that security, doing all of the private stuff on the device. And the device is where you're constrained, you've got power issues, you've got processor issues, blah, 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 blah. And it might be right, again, doing bunny ears, it might be the right thing to do. The ideal thing. But it's harder, whereas Google get to punt all of their hard work into the cloud, which works right now. You know, it's proven, established. And whilst we go along this journey, Apple have got a cliff to climb and it feels like Google can deliver the same right, so outcome. We're at series more thirteen at the minute. Well, that, when we get to series twenty or series fifteen, no. oh dear God! <laughs> Will we still be doing this? <laughs> what are we going to be saying? Right, because we were on the beach how many years ago in Cannes, recording the first episode here five and talking ago. about app stores five years ago. Yeah. We're talking about app stores and really, you know, app stores have just really arrived and begun to get big. And yeah, Nokia was introducing its own app store because it realised it had to. Yeah, th- this market moves very, very fast. At do, what point are remember? Apple going to have to so say, yeah, um, we don't put anything in the cloud apart from everything here, but you I, don't worry, it's still stored in your device-ish I, until I think, we have to move it off. And I think Apple is starting to move in that direction because I think saying that Apple doesn't do clouds, as, as Ben yeah. was suggesting, is a bit of a misnomer anyway. And actually, that's one of the reasons they were talking about differentiated privacy. And this is the idea. Essentially, you can inject noise and some other things in to make a, a data set be less personally identifiable i mean once you start asking the right questions even that's it, i don't really want to get into the technical detail here which, is, clearly, which is good because neither of us have much to offer on that, that subject but, but clearly apple is making an effort to understand how can it maintain the benefits of doing things locally that idea of privacy while also benefiting from kind of big data and deep learning across its entire consumer database and i think it's just a question of where the needle is for the two companies google is much more cloud heavy than apple and and I remember, you know, we've talked about this before. The idea of hybrid is actually attractive. Things happening on the device is good because when you've got bad connectivity or whatever else, that's what you want to happen. It but it does have to be set against this sort of idea of ubiquitous connectivity that is certainly arriving in the future. Isn't this just like an arms race of battery against bandwidth? Because, or battery and processor against bandwidth. And I think that's right because if well, you, you look just at Google. Plug your phone in then. You know, the big advantage. We've done that. It's not a problem. These Apple iPhones have rubbish batteries. They're really rubbish. But if it sits there all the time recognizing the faces in your photos, today's rubbish is going to be. It currently sits there all the time going, Bing, yes, sorry. But but it's it's not going to stop. Hey, Siri, going off all the time. It's not going to stop doing all of those things. It's all additive and and shifting all of that smarts onto the device. And especially when you're charging the device once a day, actually doing it when it's plugged in, you can kind of get away from that. I actually think the biggest advantage it gives Google is the ability to scale right across the market. So Apple is, in one sense, not stuck at the high end. It's chosen to do that. But Google will be able to run these same services on much cheaper devices. And actually, more to the point, it's not just going to be about smartphones. And I think this goes back to our previous topic, why were we getting to interfaceless apps? The idea is that apps and services are becoming unbundled and fractured, and they're going to be available across multiple endpoints. So one of the things that Google announced was Google Home, this idea of a smart speaker like the Amazon Echo in the home. And actually, it's just a new endpoint for familiar services. And if you build them with a cloud point of view, it's going to be much more easy to offer those, not just across smart speakers in the home, potentially in the car, on your smartphone, and on a myriad of other devices that will appear. Rafe Blanford has moved us neatly, segued. Even before the Massa has arrived and oiled him up, he has slid silkily onto topic number three, non-smartphone platforms. So mm. we've talked about smartphones, we've talked about the clouds they connect to. Yes. whoop to doo Yeah, great. But actually, a load of the exciting... More. Well, a load of the exciting stuff was around smartwatches, TVs... Auto, home automation, Rafe, help me out. What else was there? TV. TV, I think we've said. Is that it? Yeah. But there's a growing satellite, like a constellation around the smartphone. And, it, and we, we spent like, remember the N95? Yes. Yeah, multimedia computer. Multimedia computer. 
I know. <sighs> That's the noise he'll make when he's massaged. I'll yeah. just, I'll just, I'll just creep up to him and he goes, yeah, "Sir, here's your towel." N95. <laughs> but uh, that started to merge all of these things together, and the smartphone was the ultimate convergence device. And you yes. could do everything. And for a little while, we could have quite justifiably argued, "I can work, live, play on my smartphone." You know, for most use cases, you only need computers for specialist tasks, all this kind of good stuff. But we're seeing this fracture now because now it's becoming a hub. But we're seeing all these other devices. And what was interesting was that none of them have really taken off. By what reckoning? By the reckoning of the same level of a smartphone. Okay, yeah, well, nothing is ever going to match the scale of the smartphone. But, you know, just even th- looking at autos, you know, yeah. you're beginning to see CarPlay in some new cars. It's got a little it's, mention at WWDC. not exactly. And same with Android yeah, yeah, Auto yeah. and similar with smartwatches. You know, they're really pretty mature. They're still very early adopter product. But obviously, all of the ecosystems are all in on this stuff. You know, think about the amount of time that's been given over to talking about all this stuff. I mean, Apple, in their keynote, talked about home builders building HomeKit into houses. I mean, Google, like, you know, the world's most successful search company and, you know, they want to own all the information on the planet, spent time showing you a hockey puck that listened to your voice and allowed you to do voice queries. You know, they, they, they could have made that, but in any other world, they wouldn't have talked about it. They've got, oh, yeah, accessory. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. There you go. Little microphone. Well done. 50 quid or whatever yeah Uh, and if we talked about physical convergence with the early smartphones it's now become much more about almost a a virtual service convergence in the sense that there will be everything orbiting the smartphone and that seems to be the control point now i think that may go away in a few years as more of these endpoints become available but i think the smartphone will still be the key the most important one will they talk directly to the smartphone or will they go via the cloud because at the moment we've got a bit of a mishmash i mean i think they will in the home you'll see kind of mesh networks so it will go from one device to another and actually google home's a good example that it's based on the kind of the cast technology of google so it can talk directly to a chromecast to control your tv doesn't need to go through the smartphone so from a technical point of view i think it will be largely through the cloud and through local networks but in as far as the consumer is concerned, a lot of that control panel, or if you like that ultimate remote, will still be your smartphone and it will be almost complemented by these other interfaces, one of which <laughs> like, will oh, be... You're, uh, you're lovely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you too. <laughs> one of which well, will my be... My complimentary. ...the uh, kind of smart speakers with the far-field microphones. Right. I'm sure the car will be another one of those. And there will probably be more interfaces in the home i mean one of the things that caught my attention was on kickstarter noki which is a product you can just tap on the table in order to do things and all of that mm. feels did you, did like you say nokia noki noki i'm afraid oh, okay. oh. actually the interesting thing about it, most of the things that you're controlling through those endpoints are familiar and although it was very easy to kind of dismiss watchOS 3 or android wear 2 as a bit eh, also right now it's only sort of 10 million products but actually it's a way of getting access to some of the things that we use on the phone all the time. I think anyone who's used an Amazon Echo or who uses some of these other interfaces starts to realise that in certain situations, they are just simply more convenient and you switch to using them. And I think it's voice control in the car is the one that a lot of yeah. people have experienced. And I think voice control in the home, the thing that Amazon Echo kind of rather unexpectedly picked up on. And the idea that we talked about earlier with cloud and then with interfaceless apps very much marries into that world as well because the interface becomes less important. Now, that's a big challenge for brands because actually their whole branding has to become much more ambient. You will have less control over it. You will be dependent on something that sits inside maybe another app or another platform. But it's really great for consumers because it kind of brings to life that anywhere, anyhow well, because people don't, as Ewan said earlier, want to have to open up an app to do something. The journey has to be natural. People just want to do it when they want to do it. Yeah. And do you, what all of this does is it enables that to happen. Do you think Google will suffer here? Because, I, because Apple is historically better at that. The product is the brand. And therefore, the way they design it, the way it works, is really your experience of the brand. I mean, I'm no brand expert, yeah. but... Yes, there's a logo. Yes, there's all that kind of stuff. And so for your experience in the home, you know, when you're talking to Siri or whatever, whether or not it works and how you talk to it and what it, how it manifests itself, you know, we'll have a bit more focus because Amazon no. Echo is, is arguably functionally better right now, but Apple's approach. In. Yeah. And I think that virtual integration is both Apple's greatest strength and its Achilles heel because it means it can't reach across such a diverse part of the market simply because it just doesn't have 
the capability. I don't think any company does. Google has reached 80% you know, smartphone share by partnering with lots of others. If it can successfully tie all those together, it's going to be in a great position. But I think in the short term, we'll probably see more of that, this utopia that is being described with multiple devices in the Apple world. And that was noticeable in Home and HomeKit. The Home app is definitely more advanced on Apple than I think it is on Android, at least for the average consumer. It's not that you can't do it on Google, but it doesn't feel like that whole experience is quite as smooth as it is with Apple. But at the same time, you know, Apple is in a walled garden and we've seen what's happened to Apple in the smartphone space. They have retreated from a historical market share of sort of 35, 40% and are now down to sort of 20%. That's, that's that, got to be a concern, surely. But is that a number that matters though? Because if you think about the absolutes, if the high end of the market was the first end of the market to adopt the smartphone and then everybody else who joined the ecosystem was going to buy a Google device anyway because it was cheaper, then the proportion of Apple's market share will decrease. But actually the number of people and the more importantly, the amount of wallet space they get, the more wallet time they get, will be the same. When are you going to start buying Apple? That's the key question. <laughs> when here, there's right? something better. And, and, that, right. and that's it. And it yeah. comes down to me to, to network effect. And this is what's so fascinating about this space, because we're talking about unprecedented scale, you know, 1.4 billion smartphones a year. Now, Apple might be the smaller one, but it's still big enough to be a country and ecosystem in itself. And especially if it's offering something that's maybe more high and a more polished experience, you know, traditionally markets, you know, do turn into monopolies or into multiple players. And I actually think we haven't dealt with kind of a company operating at this kind of scale before in terms of the number of consumers. And so it's a little bit of a, an unknown conundrum. And I'm sure economists could give us a better answer on, on how this will play out with game theory. I mean, that's episode three. Which, which one of you is the economist? Um, him. Ah. Him. Yeah, him. I did it. I did it at A-level. That's did you? Yeah. Excellent. So that's you and then. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Demand, yeah. supply. Brilliant. There you that, go. That's the basics covered. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I've got something you want. Give me money. Awesome. Yeah. There you go. That's a good one. I was identified with that. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering whether or not we're going to take a step back because for a little while, when the smartphone was sort of the centre of all convergence and we'd reached a sort of a bit of a peak in terms of the hardware was getting really good, the yeah. apps were getting really good, the services were getting really, you know, refined. And now as it all splinters apart and your digital life, perhaps your ambition grows a bit about what you want to do, but now you've got, you know, notifications on your watch and you've got it in your car and all this sort of stuff. And actually there's a huge amount more friction being injected there because it used to be, you wanted to do this stuff, you looked at your phone and there it was. And now we expect it to be everywhere and it's not going to be as good. It's not going to be as reliable. But the smartphone is still there and it's very mature and that will continue to be for most people the first choice, the way to do things. But what I would say is now just as mobile became additive to other computing tasks, not necessarily as a replacement, I think a lot of these other things will add in just another point where you can interact with these services. There will be some replacement, and I think in the car and in the home we've kind of identified as, as being those two areas. But you'll only use them, to your point, if they're good enough and they give you a better experience. And it'll take a while to get that. And frankly, that that's why things like the Apple Watch and the Apple TV and even the auto stuff haven't sold in massive numbers yet because that experience is still being fine-tuned. I'd say it's the equivalent of the kind of the early smartphones or the first iPhone. You know, you can see the potential, but it hasn't quite delivered on it yet. Mm, how long has Apple TV been out? Sounds like my school report, to be honest. I've had an Apple TV for, what, eight years? And how many years did smartphones exist before, say, the iPhone you know, 4? No, was- no, the, the iPhone was the first one. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I checked on the internet. Yeah. There we go. It's the first one. They invented apps as well and and touching things. No one had ever touched anything before the iPhone. Yeah, there was no smartphone at all. Okay. We're we're horribly out of time, but I want one in, in a word, the most interesting or exciting thing that came out of WWDC or Google IO for you personally doesn't have to be like market impact. Just what made you go? Oh, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm looking forward to doing so. And that's Gboard. Remind me. The Google keyboard for the iPhone. Remind me. You can do all sorts of cool stuff. You can actually search from your keyboard within the iPhone keyboard. It's a replacement for your iPhone keyboard. I haven't used it yet. It's only available for American English. So the minute it's available. That's American. I know, exactly. So I'm looking forward to the British, correct? No, English. The English. Yeah. Yeah. There's English and there's other types of English. Okay. Okay. I would say it's Google Assistant that moves us from query to conversation. Rather than it just being search queries, you can now start having a conversation with this intelligent version of Google that is 
really just compiling all those queries together. Well, yeah. well that, indeed. Isn't that what we have Rafe Blanford for? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cool. What's yours? I was really excited about Apple Pay in the browser. Oh, yes. Now, yeah, I think cool. that that's just going to work. I think the implementation at the moment is screaming like an interim step because you're going to have a fingerprint sensor on devices soon. It yes. just It's impossible for this to be elegant without it. But for now, do it your transaction. For now, do your transaction, go over to your phone, press that. The secure element, the fingerprint piece is becoming trusted, is becoming mm. ever-present. It's in loads of apps. People are beginning to get used to the idea. And just the idea of being able to take the friction mm. out of paying. It changes stuff. the dynamic. And, and right. never, never mind the desktop stuff. I mean, mobile web is 50% of traffic now. So, you know, that's half the market right there. Well, lots of people fill up baskets and walk away from transactions. So retailers will be dead excited about it, but I'm more interested. I'm making transactions on my mobile and I'm doing my banking on my mobile now because I go tap the app, fingerprint, I'm yep. in, transaction, transaction, fingerprint, done. Like well, dinner, dinner's think, night, think delivery, about, paid yeah. in one fingerprint. Think about the fraud element as well. Because it does mean that the card holder is present. Yeah. The card is present. So it should help massively for the retailers. I mean, I and the, the financial uh, institutions. When you're on a thin margin, that 0.1% matters. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose, you know, to be, to be pedantic, it means that the user's fingerprint is present with the device, probably as long as it hasn't been hacked and all this kind of stuff. Over time, we will see the fraud on these things increase as, as people find it ways to exploit them. Yeah. But the friction it takes out, I mean, I never, ever want to type my address, my credit card, no. my CCV uh, number, yeah. meh, 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 or, or actually... Would you like to create an account? I mean, that's the next step, isn't no, it? Exactly. Grand. Okay, so we should do some uh, thank yous. We yes. Say thank you very much. Muchos. To, muchos gracias to the nice people from uh, Digitas LBI who host us and give us exclusive access to Rafe Blanford, mm. for which our licence fee, I suspect, is due soon. <laughs> we haven't actually paid yet. So thank you very oh, much right. to them. Thank you very much to Mark at audiorankler.co.uk, both Mark. for all of his editing and his advice on all things audio. Um, if you want anything editing, you should go to Mark because he's awesome. Thank you to everyone who supports the show via Patreon. We've got a bunch of people now giving the regular donations. We're incredibly grateful. It helps fund the really show. Helpful. It helps uh, fund the equipment. It helps fund running costs. And also uh, it helps us say thank you from time to time. And I said the last of the Blanford Estate mugs have gone into the post now. These are all so, exclusive now, right? They are exclusive. There will be no more Blanford Estate mugs of that type produced ever again. We might do some different ones in the future, but keep it exclusive, keep mm. it classy. And I have to say, actually, I had mine in the office the other day and a number of people commented that they'd never heard of the Blanford Estate, but they read the text on the back. They said, wow, that sounds amazing. A concrete museum. Who would have thought that was interesting? Yeah. Why did you buy a mug about a concrete museum? Well, oh, yeah. it's, it's a very exciting day out. The kids yeah. loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Go there, go there. The tickets Look, it are up. Look it up. Look it up. Exactly. So, but thank you to everyone who supported the show. Without your help, we wouldn't be able to do this. So, Rafe Blanford. Next week, it's, I believe, because you've been so obsessed by other topics, I'm in control of this season's challenge. Mm. And, uh, well, you're Make just going to have one. to wait and see. Okay. There I was going to say it was going to be tit for tat, but we're coming back to the massage thing again. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> Hashtag rubrafe. Okay, thank you very much for listening. You can find us at 361podcast on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. We're 361podcast.com, where you can find a contact page to send us an email or feedback, either publicly or privately. You can follow us on SoundCloud, or you can subscribe through the website as well. Thank you to everyone who's written in. We will be doing some feedback next week. So we'll speak to you then. Bye-bye. Boom! Mm. Uh, episode one in the can. Done. It's sounding buttery smooth, Ray Blanford. Are we allowed to masticate during this post-show bit? No, that oh. no, mustn't be rude. So, yeah, but new, want, new wine gum, new post-show segment where we can celebrate the new audio equipment. It's really good. It is really. good. I do feel very buttery smooth, just Ray- like Blanford will feel in a few episodes' time. Mm, Ray Blanford is sounding buttery smooth. I am concerned. It's good though. What, what are these? I'm concerned for you. Like butter poured over. I'm pretty sure the audience is going to be shocked shocked at your treatment of me and the no, general love it you love it man and i'm worried about the hate mail that you'll be getting that's fine yeah oh, it'll just slide off me uh-huh. like like the masser off you smith what are these that's a microphone mate yeah but what type uh that is a sure beta 87a yeah yeah no, they're new so uh, new equipment ben new well it's just the way i'm sitting <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's We've like up, 18 rating now. Uh, no, 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 it's just, you know, just a little double entendre there for you. So, yeah, we've upgraded all the kit. We've got a Zoom H6, which is a you know, audio recording gizmo, and uh, we've upgraded to um, high-end, sure, super cardoid 
mics. Why? Because they reject more noise. So we don't hopefully... They do sound very... Bassy. So they've got a little bit more bass. The old mics that we had oh, were, re- were really good for recording like yeah. uh, background noise and stuff, which you sometimes you want when you're doing uh, what they call electronic news gathering. ENG is a type of use for microphones. These are more tailored towards uh, vocalists and singers and things like that. Talent. The talent, yes. And more importantly, Ewan can talk loudly and I can talk at my usual Apologist. discrete levels That's and it won't, test, won't it? Uh, interrupt the channels or overlay each other and so hopefully we'll get better recording quality and playback for everybody yeah yeah it should sound a bit cleaner gives mark a much easier job when he's cleaning up and editing the audio because we the, hope <laughs> well hopefully yeah the uh, overspill when you're recording three separate microphones overspill between the microphones makes it sound echoey and hollow but also just makes the job of editing when you need to cut out a mistake or something like that and you wouldn't believe the number of mistakes mark cuts out for us um, do you want a wine gun by the way no thank you i'm um i'm, I'm trying to wean myself off these post-show snacks so yeah. post-show post-show snacks. get the minstrels out that'll tempt him i'm easily tempted with the chocolate so yeah and um also new microphones because these are these are powered microphones now as well so they, they? They, they need a, they need a power supply which comes out of this recorder microphones they run on something called phantom power don't really think you needs a powered microphone, if I'm honest. No, no, it's not for loudness. So well, I just haven't clarity. found a reason to yell apologist or something like that at you yet. There we go. And this season, what it means is we can throw the whole podcasting equipment in a rucksack now, except for the microphone stands, whereas it used to be carried around in a large box. So, yeah. yeah we're really all good. speaking in front of a microphone. If you want to see the setup, by the way, you can, um, you can have a look at the obligatory Rafe Blandford shot on Instagram I do one for every episode you know we got some feedback about that people said you always take a picture of Rafe and you're mocking him who said that basically right some people on the internet we're not mocking him we're we're, we're preserving it because I've got you know a really good gallery of Blanford shots now the problem is that the people are conflating two statements of fact as causing each other you know we take a picture of Rafe Blanford breathing space and we always mock him these two (laughs) things are not interrelated he's also really good though he is How's it work for you, Blanford? Very good, thank you. You're looking tired, actually. Yeah, been working hard. Okay. Well, it's not good. just for the 361 podcast. No. Yeah. This week we were talking about the two shows and you actually write them up proper, don't you, as well? Yeah, well, although I mean, rather unfortunately this time I haven't actually written either one up before the uh, podcast. So you kind of got the unfiltered raw version of Rafe's thoughts rather than the, uh, the good very version. Helpful. It's the Rafe Blanford After Dark raw live special. <laughs> Is any of this stuff actually going to affect your day jobs? Because I, I was watching these keynotes thinking, please don't do anything that's going to affect our apps. Please don't do anything that's going to affect our apps. Because like, it's always exciting. But then as, then if you've got any responsibility for actually making apps, you know, they go, oh no, they've, like, they've done this thing and we're going to change the screen it. size and we're going to yeah. have to go and re, you know, redo all the apps. And it's like, there's stuff you want to take advantage of, like fingerprint and touch ID. Awesome. But that's like good when you add it. It's good for customers or yeah. users. But then if they say, oh, you know, we've got a new visual style, everyone's going to have to go and redo their apps. It's just like wasted effort for us. Mm. In terms of the stuff I'm doing, yes, because future of UI projects, you know, this is all on trend to talk about the big themes, moving away from just talking about apps to some of these other endpoints and devices that we were talking about. But also um, in the broader sense, I think messaging bots, we're already starting to put some proof of concepts together for those. Have, have you seen the Skyscanner one? Yeah. I and, need to show you the Skyscanner one. And, and it works rocking. very nice. You know, I think a lot of them are a bit misguided at the moment. It feels like very early days of apps where mo- a lot of them were rubbish, frankly. Mm. And you, you see some of the publishers, especially the news organisations, coming up with this idea that you can get you know, kind of an alternative to RSS. But some of the things around being able to do transactional stuff does make a lot of sense to me, a very hierarchical e-commerce. But actually, I think the one that's going to have the biggest immediate impact is um, something we referred to at the end of the episode, Apple Pay in the browser. We're already looking at yeah, you know, our, our commerce arm, Ooh. which does a lot of e-commerce uh, <laughs> which sites. One's, which one's your commerce arm? Is it? <laughs> it's my left, left arm. Left arm. Oh, I'm going to show you this. Um, so, you know, I think that Facebook one actually thing. will arrive very quickly. It's interesting. It's not just Apple, Google are, are doing the same thing. It's actually Groups, W3C people. standard now. And it's going to be a very easy way to kind of integrate that biometrics, those platform pay into the browser and i think it's you know going to have an immediate impact on sort of is the apple thing proprietary then 
as far as I'm aware, and I haven't looked into the WWDC in detail, I think they're both going to be a standard right. way. But in that sense, it'll be be cross-browser. So if you're uh, developing a, a web page, you probably are going to have to call on each respectively. But right. I think in time, it will will just become right, another standard. Here, you, you're a cloud's handling. handling I'm going to show you the Skyscanner app. Right, so I've, I've got it on Facebook. I've had a Skyscanner as a Facebook Messenger contact. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, let's start again. It says, okay, where would you like to go? So give me, where would you want Barcelona. to go? Barcelona. 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 Oh, bigger ones. Barcelona. Oh, did I tell you I, was, I got another Rafe Blanford um, typo this week? What was it? Rage Landlord, which is what he turns <laughs> into in the peasants' nice. day. Right, okay, so there you go. It that, says you're going nice. to Barcelona. Shows a little photo. Okay. Yeah. So what's that picture? Uh, from which city Gaudi, did you want Park, to, Parkwell. to start your trip from? London. London. Why should I tell you? No, so see, this no is already way. bad because it should know and default to London. Well, okay, all right. What's the start date of your trip? Oh, dear God, I'm no. really bored of this. Try it, what's this? Uh, next Thursday. If you're going to expect me to get excited about a phone knowing when next Thursday is. All right, there's a bot that's done it really quickly. When are you coming back? The following Monday week. week. Right. Okay. Oh, I don't understand. Oh, that doesn't work. Oh, three oh, weeks. It's a good job we didn't prep Ooh, this that's good. Three weeks. Okay. In the oh, meantime, God. I've just opened up my Skyscanner app and done the same thing in 30 no, seconds. No, because this stuff is actually really quick if click, I did click, it correctly. Right, in three weeks. Returning on Tuesday, uh, July 5th, it says. Or I could just ask Amazon It's nice Echo. searching. Oh, that's great. No, normally, when, if you do it properly, it's really quite smart. This is... That's like, screwed out. You remember, though, when you were, like, trying to show a member of your family. Oh, look, you can buy stuff on your mobile. Yeah. Just wait, hang on. No, just, oh, it's crap. Hang on a second. I'll just restart this. Oh, I've just had to type this in. Oh, I've got the postcode wrong. Oh, yeah. baby, it's brilliant. You won't believe it. It's so much quicker. And in the you know background, your wife's just going, oh, you know, I'm right, bringing a taxi yeah, or like that, yeah. whatever. All right. One last thing before we wrap up our post-show chat. Yeah. Bit, bit of feedback from John. John wrote John. in about backup if I, in capital letters, John says, uh, I'm, I'm summarising, John, forgive me. Don't, 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 no. So your Backupify thing, because yes. it's, it's copying your... Google Photos. Copy, yeah. So you put your photos on Google Photos and then you yeah. back them up out of Google Photos into a different cloud. Yes, yeah, so Google Photos is also accessible via Google Drive. And what does John say? John was saying, if you do that with Backupify... Which is what you were using. Which is what I'm, I am currently using. He said, it is all backed up, but then when you try and unarchive it all, it just gives you one... Big splurge of files, no folders or directories, which actually I didn't know that because I haven't actually done a, a recover yet. Are you kidding me? No. So we went through Ewan McLeod to put all his photos into a imminently failing cloud service. Like that's where they all live. <laughs> I know, I know, and you, you basically, in the middle of the podcast, went grey because you realised how at risk they were. Then you rushed out and backed them all up to a service that you never tested to see what it looked like when you restored them. Yep. <laughs> Well, anyway, he, he pointed yeah, out what? that it's not very convenient. So he's suggesting using spanning.com. Spanning.com. Yeah, I had a look at that, signed up. So I'm using the trial that night. That's really good. And that preserves the whole archive. It doesn't matter. I've got it backed up on a Mac Mini as well. Just after the show, just come and see me outside because I've got some old rope. Don't look too closely, but I've got some old rope to sell you. Right. I've got a Nokia phone you can buy. Hey, I was going to say in the episode today, um, did you hear about the insurance companies? And that is that if your Windows phone breaks, have you heard this? Windows phone breaks, they'll give you an iPhone. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like a replacement and it's consolation. We're not giving you a Windows phone. It's too expensive. Consolation for but, having owned a Windows phone. While we're on such topics, are we going to be allowed to talk about Nokia this season now that they've bought Y-Things? Withings. 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 Y-Things. Yeah, but we're talking about old Nokia, the bad one that we can mock about, not the new one with the patents. Oh, right then. No, I was only kidding about the insurance companies, by the way. Just, I'm amazed that you didn't go, What? What to be happen? fair, I don't often take a lot of what you say seriously, you're in the same, right. you know. Oh, did I say dogs. that out loud? That was a bit harsh even for the post-show. 